This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Today's episode, well, there's no other way to say this, but the future is here. The focus today is going to be on flying cars. Yep, you've heard it right, flying cars. And to speak about this exciting area, I have here with me the Chief Technical Officer of Pegasus, Jackie Yang. Jackie is Australia's youngest solo flight record holder at the age of 14 and since then has been a power delta wing pilot flying helicopters and eight years of formula one driving and mechanical experience with this combo it makes perfect sense why he's the right man for the job and now leading the way in designing and manufacturing flying cars here in australia so without further ado let's get straight into it welcome to inspiring design Thank you so much for giving up your time and uh, tuning in from Melbourne. So this is, I think, one of the most exciting uh, conversations and I'm, I'm super into it. Welcome to Inspiring Design. And uh, can we start off with a little bit of background? What's your story? Of course, Rashan, thank you very much for having actually my first podcast. So I'm also very, very excited. Awesome. Um, in terms of my background, how about let's leave that to the last because it is something <laughs> unconventional, I, I will say at least. But the story is that our founder, Michael, he was in a traffic jam one day and then uh, he looked up and realized there was nothing, nothing in, the, in the skies. So then he realized the potential that flying cars will be the next thing. And therefore, uh, after a very long time now, in 2009, I was 23, almost 14 years, he decided to make the flying car. So what is behind me right now are the two Pegasus e-flying cars. One of them is for the civilian version, and the other one is uh, we want to make it for the specialty departments, like police force. Yeah. Hmm. And I have seen some of the exciting uh, images with the police and the ambulance forces actually testing it. So I, I want to I talk about those things and how you got there a little bit, but let's, let's step back a little bit. And you mentioned your um, uh, founder, seeing that vision almost and literally starting but tell me about flying cars like what's it all about for those those people who aren't aware of it we get a lot of students excited and you know mainly they think of it something as a futuristic thing so in your expertise what exactly is a flying car and yeah tell me more about it a flying cars is what you have seen in the movies uh it's supposed to drive and supposed to fly and I think at Pegasus, we do something a little bit unconventional in terms of that Pegasus does fly and does drive, which is very different to what a lot of the market has been talking about, eVTOLs, for example. They're more of a, um, an aircraft that can do vertical takeoff and landing and are designed to take you to a vertiport, uh, which will be the infrastructure for those um, uh, eVTOL aircrafts. But we believe a flying car, uh, by the very definition, uh, to be what exactly like the movies are. And this is also why we picked the engineering approach that we have uh, decided, which is a, a combination between a, a sports car, we like to say, and also a rotorcraft, which allows us to do vertical takeoff and landing. And anytime, anywhere, this is, this is our approach. So yeah, fl flying cars are, are definitely the next thing. And the reason for that is because uh, the airspace 
is a resource that has not been utilized for daily transportation mm. and your traffic uh, your traffic condition is not getting better in the morning and that is that is that is the truth yeah 100% and i think um, tell me a little bit more about exactly that now i'm i'm familiar with uh, your thought process but for the listeners i understand that you know the traffic's and the and the scalability of roads it's not possible at the speed that the population is increased, the way we need to move and travel, it doesn't work the way it needs to. Um, mm -hmm. and planes is really far high up. And I believe the space you're playing with is in between. So how does that actually determine how that's operated? Like what, what's the process behind that? So Pegasus, we have designed something that works under current airspace regulation. So whatever uh, the airspace that your license is uh, subject to, this is where you can fly. I mean, this is talking about early adoption, of course, because you know it's not possible to build a fully um, functional uh, network right now. But the good news is that FAA or CASA even has a, uh, a plan for how these networks will look like. Essentially, there will quite be quite a lot of uh, altitude separation. So, because you know we're in three dimensional, someone can hop, uh, can travel at one thousand feet, and another uh, line of vehicles can travel at one thousand two hundred feet. Essentially, yeah. these kind of separations allow us to have a great number of flying cars. And because um, again, airspace is extremely large, much larger compared to those even six lane roads, mm. and therefore the possibility for those flying cars to operate is extremely sufficient and it's also very operatable. Um, so this, this is how it's going to be. Uh, of course, later on, there will be fully autonomous versions, which uh, many people are going for right now. So it takes out that human factor, human uh, errors most of the time. And, and, and so, yeah, aviation is obviously extremely safe, much safer than, uh, than cars. So, yeah, it's exciting. And has that space been actually defined? Like, for example, I think it, um, if, if I'm referencing back to an episode um, prior, is anything about 10,000 is, is considered the aerospace or beyond the atmosphere is the space component? Um, or do you have the definition for your sector yet, or is that something still undefined? I, I, I was, I'm sure uh, the, the definition will improve later on, but under current airspace regulation, what we say is that uh, populated area, you must fly at 1,000 feet or above. Mm -hmm. uh, and on approach for a rotorcraft, you can do about 700 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the separation that we have right now. Yeah. Um, again, this is conventional airspace regulation, nothing special yet. But because in terms of adoption, we can picture 30 of those fl uh, flying cars in the Melbourne airspace extremely easily. Uh, there are more than 30 aircraft flying at a time right now adding another 30, even 100, now there's no issue with that. So the current airspace regulation actually gives us, especially Pegasus, the flexibility to test out these flights. And uh, later on, again, definition will improve. I'm sure the separation will uh, will be very different to, yeah. to today. Perfect, perfect. And um, I believe you're, you're one of the only um, companies that might be actually operating in this space in Australia. Is that correct? Or are there other competitors in this part of the world? Well, Pegasus is the world's only flying car that can do vertical takeoff and landing, but also rotable. Mm -hmm. So this is what makes uh, Pegasus special. Mm -hmm. uh, but as a flying car concept or VTO, eVTO concept, there are a few other companies doing so in, uh, in, in Australia too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so they're quite different in terms of they use battery technology. They, they use um, electric drives. Again, as much as 
electricity will be the future of aviation, but it is not good enough right now. Yeah. And this is actually a special point about Pegasus because we use a hybrid system. Mm -hmm. So we fly with 98 petrol, which is accessible everywhere, but we drive with electricity on the road. And that, that makes us practical in today. Absolutely. And I think the sheer, I can just imagine the sheer number of engineering thought processes that you're actually marrying together. So that's really interesting. But before we actually get to the skills, I want to almost forecast where you think this sector is going to go. Um, it's it's very exciting for teachers listening in and, and you know students listening in as well to understand what the future looks like. And you're, I think, one of the pioneers always uh, looking into the future and paving a new pathway. In your opinion, what do you think this sector will look like in the next maybe five years? And where do you think it'll be by the time we, you know, maybe reach 2040, 2045? Yeah, the market as a whole will have very early adoption in the next five years and even including those uh, EV tolls, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the operation will be quite limited and especially their speed will be quite limited because of the, the way they fly, especially some of them are fully autonomous which I, I think as much as I, I, I trust uh, uh, these technology very much so, but I think as uh, taking passengers around, um, you will still need a, some sort of a pilot in there. Mm -hmm. um, 2032 is a good year because the Queensland government actually released some of the uh, a white paper mm -hmm. saying they want uh, flying taxis to be taking passengers to, mm -hmm. as transportation to the, to the Brisbane Olympics. Yeah. So that is happening for, for Australia. But I'm sure other other technologies, uh, even other com companies that are doing uh, flying cars or EV tools, uh, they will start to push these uh, products trials uh, onto the market, and and that's certainly globally. Uh, Australia is actually a very good spot to, to start. I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers that uh, Uber wanted to start a network uh, probably right. four, four years ago now unfortunately it didn't happen but obviously this is a they become a combination with joby and other companies like that so you know this is still happening but um again because airspace is a is a resource we have not yet utilized so it is destined to happen mm -hmm. and 2040 morgan stanley does, uh, predicts that the market will be one trillion dollars globally so mm -hmm. that is not a joke yeah it, it is going to be big there you go. Very a lot of very opportunities there, and and um, talk of the town. Obviously, when it, whenever someone thinks about technology right now is AI. Do you have any plans or any AI integrated with your system? Because I think even the fact that you mentioned the Uber context, you know, there was a lot of public concern of do we really want to get in something like a autonomous vehicle or a flying car that's actually manned by AI. It's a very scary thought for a regular person or even, you know, it's almost beyond this world. What are your thoughts on it? And do you think that AI is going to integrate with yours? <laughs> the answer is going to be yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be. Mm -hmm. But what level of AI we're talking about, that will be how the decision will be made. Fair. Yeah. Um, that is the future, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so certainly, yeah, uh, integration with AI is going to happen, but it's going to be depending on whether they're going to be making decisions about the simple flight path, uh, uh, flight path. I mean, uh, I mean, that's something they can do quite easily and, and perhaps better than human human beings uh, are ready. Um, but in terms of when in a given situation, just in case if something fails, how they can be programmed or how can they be educated taught to to make a decision mm. i think that is uh 
there is some some way to go, but again, that is certainly happening. Uh, but Pegasus will will certainly do something because um, we we hope to push out a, a, a four seater air taxi by the end of the year, actually. Awesome. And uh, later on, that particular model will also be uh, autonomous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, fair. But, uh, as early adoption, I'm sure there will be a pilot in there. But later on, it really the, only the passengers will need to go into the vehicle. Absolutely. And I think that's a smart approach as well. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot. If it's just simply because our previous episode that we just launched was also about AI and it's very relevant, a common question. Um, that's why I thought I'd ask that one. But one of the things I really want to understand is the engineering and the thought process, because drawing connections to skills and those types of career pathways is where the exciting, I think, um, comes through for everyday people, even the listeners mainly as well. And uh, when you're thinking about the skill sets, now I understand when you're driving on the road, there's actually still a steering wheel, it's familiar, but then that actually retracts if they're taking off. Tell me a little bit about that mechanism, because I think firstly, understanding the visuals, then let's break it down into what are the skills behind that you've done to achieve that. Okay. Uh, my principle is that if it's a complicated system, it's not a good system. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's in, in everything that we do. Um, and we have a patent for our, uh, our pedal ones, essentially. So what we know is uh, with a rotorcraft, you need the left pedal and the right pedal to, to do your. But on driving, you have two pedals, usually, with the automatic car, that the right pedal is throttle and the left pedal is the brake. So it was a very simple thing for us to do in terms of if we just want to put these two systems together, you know, a switchable system or whatever. But it makes the, the entire package complicated. So we decided, well, we can actually use the right pedal, the right yaw pedal, also as the throttle when it's on the ground. So therefore, we only have three pedals, but we can achieve two sets of controls. Mm -hmm. So uh, a simplified uh, control control system at the end of the day, but it's also extremely practical. Uh, the steering wheel, yes, uh, essentially you press the button and the steering wheel gets stowed away. You press it again, it gets extended out. And the reason is because the cyclic, cyclic control that's in between your legs, um, you don't want it to accidentally bump into the steering wheel when you're in flight. You know, it yes. becomes very dangerous. Therefore, we stow away the steering wheel um, and then there's no there's no safety issue there. It's a complete separation between the drive component and the flight component. Again, this is all about safety. Uh, uh, yeah, and also the cycling is also retractable. So when you're driving, you can hide the stick between your legs and they just drive normally. So Pegasus is about a design that is very familiar to both uh, helicopter pilots, but also very familiar to everyday drivers. And that yeah. is important as a product that you want to put into the market. Yeah, absolutely. So does that mean uh, when it is mainstream, obviously, then, then the person behind the wheel and the, or the, so to say the cockpit even, um, they need a driver's license as well as a helicopter license? Yeah, that's right. So obviously, um, but the minimum requirement for flying is uh, you need a recreational helicopter license. That's 25 hours training. Yeah. So not at all. Um, and it's also important because as we push the four-seater into the market, there's already a skill set in the current workforce that can work for Pegasus. Mm. Instead of training another 200 pilots to fly eVTOLs, even as a, as a secondary pilot, mm -hmm. it will become difficult. But yeah. Pegasus, as we go into the market, there's a works, uh, there's, the workforce is there. Already. Perfect, perfect. And so 
who are the minds behind that achieved what you've done today, you know, bringing these two sectors together, paving the pathway? What kind of engineers did you have on board, the designers? You know, uh, what are the career pathways almost that people can aim for right now? And where do you think, what kind of career paths do you think will be available in future? Um, you see, I got very lucky. Uh, I got to meet Peter Schaefer. Uh, he's a mentor of mine, but he's also the automotive engineer for Pegasus. He's a, uh, I would say, a legendary uh, VA supercar designer. Uh, the trophies in his house is, is incredible. So he has very practical, but also advanced uh, skill sets in terms of when he designed the uh, uh, the road going parts of it. But actually, uh, uh, motor racing, uh, motor racing is uh, a lot of many times is uh, the front end of technology. So therefore, we were able, able to implement a lot of the, his uh, knowledge into a new package and make Pegasus flying car extremely easy to build, but also extremely light. With me, it is 436 kilograms, which is incredible. It's not seen anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so uh, aerospace engineers, of course, uh, composite engineers, uh, we, we have used pretty much every <laughs> single set of uh, manufacturing method there is, uh, subtractive, additive, uh, composite materials. Um, yeah, really a bit of everything. But it is the mindset that is important. It's about innovation. Innovation comes from when you challenge the old way of doing things and, and you must have that mindset to, to go for it, no matter what your position might be. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think it's important that you look at a particular task and not only complete it, but say, hey, next time, how can I do it better? Mm. That's Absolutely. And I think that word you mentioned there, innovation, innovative thinking, another way of saying it is creative problem solving, critical thinking, that those are the words that resonate with the educators and students listening in that align with the current education system. You know, I call it design thinking. It's uh, it's very applicable to the context. It goes hand in hand, especially when you're doing something amazing like what you're doing and bringing these, you know, amazing, almost very difficult things and making it into a one context. The sheer number of problems that you have to work through one at a time. Is yeah. Um, the way I see this, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is it's a combination of STEM skills, you know, the science, technologies, engineering, mathematics, combined with design thinking almost. It's, it's, it's the creative thinking, the problem solving, the resistance, the empathy, resilience, all, all of that going hand in hand. What are your thoughts when you hear that? Yeah, absolutely. There's no denying. This is, at the end of the day, it's all about physics and, and math and and technology, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so it is a combination of absolutely everything. But it is also very important that the package at the end of the day has to be correct, because a lot of engineers, you know, they, they focus on one component and say, hey, this is perfect. But uh, the best product at the end of the day is that a, a complete package. So do not only think about one aspect, uh, look at the bigger picture. I know it is actually very hard for many engineers to do that because most of the time they're given one particular task. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think, uh, try, try to think outside the box. Absolutely. And I think that adds music to my ears. So I'm very happy to hear when you, when you say things like that. And when you're looking at, I think, um, the foundational pathways that people can aim for, if they're excited about working in their EV area in, in future, what do you think they should be doing if they're in school now? Where do you think they should be looking at? What do you think they should be doing to enter the enter this exciting industry? 
Uh, I mean, uh, in high school, I'm not so sure exactly what you can do, but obviously when you're going to university, there are aerospace engineering degrees that you can complete. Mm -hmm. But uh, try to build things of your own, even with uh, planks of wood, see what you can come up with, uh, get to know the tools, and that is very important. Mm -hmm. And also ask teachers if there are particular projects you can start to complete uh, much earlier in your high, high school days. Um, and yeah, really start with Legos, for example. Mm -hmm. My... Uh, my aspiration, my the foundation of my uh, love for engineering actually started from my mother purchased me uh, Legos when I was a kid. There you go. That, that is that is that is how I started. So really, put your hands into work, and I think that that will become very important. Awesome, awesome. Well, look, uh, the taking taking this into another another tangent is the technology, and uh, always you know you're almost building a new type of technology, but it is. A combination of these other ones that you're bringing into bringing into fruition together. Um, you already mentioned some of the advanced manufacturing techniques like additive and subtractive and whatnot. What are the technologies that you've implemented behind the scenes to achieve what you've done? You know, things like uh, from a it, does VR AR come into play? Um, do you have obviously you would be having some form of CAD modeling? What kind of softwares do you use? just to help the listeners understand the tools that help them bring these kinds of things to life. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are the technologies behind it? AR, VR, no, not really, not yet. Okay. Uh, but seriously, CAD, uh, 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 SolarWorks, this is something that we use quite frequently. And um, you see, uh, again, this is something from my mentor. Mm -hmm. um, one thing he told me is to think in 3D space. Uh, this is a few things that not many people are, are able to do. I realized even for uh, certified engineers or people with perfect PhDs and many years of so-called experience. So thinking 3D space, especially if you're doing aerospace or, or mechanical engineering. Um, and again, it's all about practice at the end of the day, how you can turn that particular drawing in your mind and onto the, onto the uh, computer software. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, Technology-wise, to be honest, as much as much as we use every single method possible, but it starts with the thought. So think how you can turn that thought into a reality. I, I think I must say something uh, not very similar to other people, but I think starting from the thought and turn that into the first drawing is is the most important. I think I think what you just said there about the the fact that you should think in three D that, that that's a it's almost when you think about that statement it's a no brainer because we live in three D we see in three D we operate in three D it makes sense to think in three D but somewhere along the lines we tend to get bogged down in two D so that's that's really yeah. valuable advice to put perspectives into play so yeah. I, I really enjoy that now what's your advice for educators because for educators you know they're they they have a tough job they they're almost they have to show these kinds of exciting career pathways and, and connected back to STEM and design thinking and mathematics and English and all these things. What do you think they should be doing? And obviously, I think you mentioned a good insight there of getting students to do hands-on building things, getting them on the softwares and modeling things and thinking 3D and whatnot. But do you have any other advice for the educators to tackle and build towards these things? It's a tough one. It always gets people so don't. There are teachers. I, I'm not so sure if I'm in a position to say anything to them. But um, one very important thing is, is they have a decision to make. Uh, they either become uh, 
uh, a method of transforming or, or transferring information, or they can choose to inspire or teach. Mm -hmm. I think that is the biggest difference, especially for my life too. Uh, I, I've been very lucky to have many great teachers. So to inspire and teach is certainly the way to go. And don't just teach them the method, tell them the potential outcome, tell them how it may change things uh, for other people's lives. Mm. And therefore it becomes, therefore the method becomes important and therefore the outcome becomes important. And uh, I'm sure they know much more than me, but I, I, this is the only thing I can contribute to this particular question, I believe. No, that's, I think, a very valuable insight that you shared there, and it resonates quite a lot with it's that facilitator facilitation role rather than just trying to regurgitate content, so getting them to think and problem solve. So you're, mm -hmm. you're definitely adding to every other speaker that's on, been on my podcast, so um, don't feel bad. <laughs> don't feel bad that you're not contributing. Absolutely. I, I, nail on the head, actually, I think. And um, when you're, you mentioned you know, you had some good teachers and that's a statement that I always share as well. I was very lucky to have some good educators and went through the schooling system in Australia. What's, mm -hmm. what's been your story? Can you tell us a little bit? Cause I think you have a very unique mind that um, I think the listeners can learn quite a bit from. Uh, so a little bit about my background. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually went to university for politics. Essentially I have two degrees in politics, but uh, the flying class you see behind me, I built it with the team. I really, uh, I, I was not sitting by the side saying, hey, you do this. Yeah. Uh, I was holding every bolt and nut, every washer possible, every composite panel possible, so we can build this together. So I have hands-on skills. Mm -hmm. And again, it started with Legos from my mother, but um, I was also inspired to get a pilot's license uh, when I was 14 by my father. So when I was 14 years old, I, I was actually the youngest to fly solo uh, on a microlife in Australia. Wow. Um, so this, this is also where my love for aviation comes from. I raced the go-karts, so not those, you know, go-karts you can rent, but proper racing in go-karts. I also yeah. raced bikes. Um, so, so this is where my knowledge of engineering came from. Mm -hmm. But as I, as I was racing, um, what interested me the more was that, um, how and why my time was improving. Not only that I was getting comfortable with the car. But the suspension setup, but the tire pressure, but how stiff the chassis needs to be, so the feedback from the road can make perfect contact with the tires. So by thinking in that particular method, um, got me interested and gave me the knowledge. And also when I was in university, I I, uh, uh, I had I broke a fuel tank essentially, and I tried to fix it with carbon fiber by myself. So you know these kind of skills just 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 added up, and then I. And I'm lucky enough to to convert those. So, I think you've been in training like your whole life, to leading up to this this what you're doing now. That's incredible. I, I I honestly love that hearing that story because um a lot of schools actually have, you know, racing car building and and uh, racing programs and in competitions and whatnot. So that's that's really I think valuable to know that these are the types of skill sets and thinking that translates onto these exciting careers. You've yeah. combined it with an entrepreneurial component. Um, and then pushing the boundaries in and leading the pathway. So really appreciate that. Um, last but not least, uh, what's your advice for students? You know, you've already mentioned a few things. If they're, you know, it's, you mentioned it's a, it's going to be a trillion dollar industry and that's within our lifetime. Uh, mm -hmm. What's your advice for them if they want to get into this um, flying cars industry? That is the most difficult question. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I think... 
for students or graduates that's going into a, a new job, even a, a new industry, you must learn from people around you. Uh, observe what, what they do um, and see how you can learn from them. So your action, your performance can be as close to their perfection as possible. But more importantly, it is critical for you to monitor their imperfections, their flaws. So your actions can be as far away from their imperfections as possible. And that's how you stand out from the crowd. For engineers, um, yeah, it's, it's never it's never enough to learn from from books and paper. That that's probably my 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 uh, my advice because uh, until you put a piece of material in your hand, like uh, uh, stretch it, bend it, yank on it if you have to, and feel its temper, feel its characteristic, that that is that is absolutely important to 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 a career and to the future. So, but if you want to start your own company. Uh, yeah, uh, learn how to make a judgment. Uh, learn how to be outrageous with your ideas. Uh, only then, you know, you have the energy, you have the potential. Uh, that's how you do it, I think. Absolutely. So. And you, you're, you're leading by example, so I really love that. And then speaking of learning from others, if they do want to get in touch with you or connect with you, learn more about Pegasus, what's the best way? Uh, LinkedIn, that's for sure. Uh, uh, this is actually something new for me, but uh, I'm getting used to it. So yeah, my LinkedIn is fine. Perfect. I will make sure that their uh, LinkedIn is added onto the show notes. And uh, so it's been a pleasure, man. And I always want to wrap up the um, episode with a mystery question. And um, yeah. I'm kind of thinking thinking the whole episode, what, what I should be asking you. And I think um, I have what I want to put in front of you. It's uh, if you could change one thing in people's mindset about flying cars what would it be aviation aviation is so much safer than than any type of road transportation and that's a fact uh, especially in the the last decade um we we almost have no accidents uh, i mean that i mean almost i'm saying almost um having no accidents and this is why also um, flying cars will be extremely safe. So as much as adoption could take time, uh, but do not picture 50,000 flying cars in the air and say no. Mm. Picture 10 of them first, picture 100 of them first. And then as you know, as how we have been since the industrial revolution, we make things better, right? We build networks that's, that, that's, that, that becomes better. So flying cars is definitely the next thing that's coming. And you will be in a flying car no time soon going to your destination. Yeah, there you go. You heard it here first. Make sure you're open to the idea of being in a flying car and um, actually enjoying it. Maybe it's another way of uh, safer travel. So really appreciate your thought process, insights, and paving the path in this really cool industry. Um, thank you so much. I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of it. Do connect with Jackie and learn more about this exciting field. Uh, mate, thank you for giving up your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Roshan. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. 
best up, jump on to rashansenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links, and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes, as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands, and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time.